Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 124 with Sol Orwell of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Goes, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. First of all, I just want to say Happy New Year, guys. Uh, Really, really pumped about 2017. Let's make this the best year yet. Um, I've done a lot of planning and we're just starting to execute things, and it's really, really exciting. We've got some big goals for Founder. We're going to be scaling up content. We're going to be scaling up products. We're going to be optimizing funnels. We're going to be doubling down on Founder Club. We're going to be doing so much cool stuff. I'm really, really excited. Um, hopefully, if I can hit my goals, we can also set up an office in LA as well, which is going to be pretty exciting. So, that's what's happening in my world. Now let's talk about today's guest, Sol Olroll. Now, Sol's a super smart dude. I was very, very impressed with more than anything, his strategy and the way he approaches building businesses. And the more and more I speak to people, the more and more I feel really privileged to just understand and hone in on my strategy because that's what it's all about. If you want to build a super successful business, it's all about strategy. Like, yeah, there's all these other elements like people, hustle, hiring, marketing, you know, all these other things, you know, funding, cash flow, all these other things. But strategy is something that people can't take away from you. Strategy is, you know, the strategy and execution piece is killer. It's so key. And uh, Sol has got some killer strategies 
around business growth that I think you guys are going to love, um, particularly around, you know, he's built multiple seven-figure businesses and he really shares about how the riches are in the niches. And uh, I know you might, might, you guys might have heard of that phrase before from my friends in Australia. It's pronounced niche, I know, but in America, um, you guys call it niches. So yeah, um, the riches are in the niches. Let's let Sol tell us if they really are. All right, guys, now let's jump into the show. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? How did I get my job? Um, I am honestly not 100% sure. Uh, I think the reality of it was uh, I uh, immigrated to the West when I was 14, and I'd been living in Saudi Arabia. And the amount of culture shock was massive for me. And online was my refuge, right? It was my place where I could get away from everyone else, where I could be me without feeling a little bit shy and and awkward. And uh, it was through that online experience that I realized uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here. I was still a young kid at the time, you know, I was 14, but pretty much off the bat, anyone knew when they really spent some time online that everyone was going to eventually move online. And, and that's kind of how I accidentally stumbled upon it was actually through online games. It was uh, online games was my <clears throat> my refuge, like I said, from the real world. Mm. And that's when I learned, and this sounds crazy, this is how I originally made my money, was a virtual currency in online games in the late 1990s. So that's kind of how I stumbled upon my first job. Interesting. So you're 14. <laughs> how exactly were you making money? Like how does, it, how does this work? Like with the virtual currency? Right. Yeah. Every time I, I tell it, people think it's crazy. So uh, I came uh, to Houston in 1997 before I moved to Canada. Uh, and I started playing online games. And as I started playing these online games, I realized, you know what? There needs, like people are so friendly online. We should build a community kind of like on a website. And so we started uh, building these community websites. And it was a few years later that this guy came to me and he said, you know, hey, listen, I sell virtual currency. You know, will you put uh, will you let us buy ads on your site? And originally I was really excited. I still remember this. Right. He gave me like 300 bucks or something for the month. And I thought that was amazing. And I was at 16 now at this age. Right. 300 bucks. That was huge. And then he said, you know what, I'll give you like a commission, 15 percent on anything you sell. And in my mind, I thought, damn, this is it, right? The golden goose is cooked. I thought that he'd realize that nothing's going to sell. He'll only buy ads for a month or two, and then we're done. But those that 15% generated us another like three to $500 in that month alone. And that's kind of how I got my start, where I realized, you know what? If you have targeted traffic that's specifically looking for X subject, and if you're going to find a way to monetize from specifically that X subject, you know, your conversions will be pretty well. And so to kind of give a, a quick explanation, these games like World of Warcraft, uh, I'm sure most people have heard of that, EverQuest, stuff like that, basically have an online uh, character, right? They're called a role-playing game. And in that character, you can spend 50 hours to get the Sword of Doom, or you could pay someone like me 500 bucks, and I would just sell you the Sword of Doom. On the flip side, we'd go to kids who are playing these games who've been playing it for like you know 60 hours a week, and we say, hey, listen, you've got five Swords of Dooms. We'll pay you 20 bucks for it. And in their mind, because you, got, you to, the, the game itself was like 10 to 20 bucks a month, in their mind, it was amazing, mm-hmm. right? They, they basically got to play for free. And professionals like yourself, for example, who's too busy to be able to spend time, all this time to get the Sword of Doom, you got the Sword of Doom, and we profited in the middle between all of that. So that was the, uh, my initial foray was through virtual currency. Yeah, wow, interesting. So what happened next? Because you've been doing stuff online for a while, man. 
Yeah, it's it's been a while. So, I mean, honestly, man, uh, you know, we, we talk about like entrepreneurship and we talk about business. People forget at times how huge the Internet is. And you don't need to be a superstar. You don't need to be famous. You don't need to be big. I know all these entrepreneurs who are making seven figures, even eight figures, and no one knows who, no one knows who they are. And so what that context is here is, you know, there's all this opportunity out there. You just need to figure out whatever niche you can do well in. So in my case, right, I figured out virtual currency did well for me. And the next one that I got really deep into was local search. So this is before Google uh, local even existed at the time. This is before Yelp, Foursquare. This is, I think, like 2003 now. And I moved to a new neighborhood in Toronto, and I had no idea what was in the neighborhood. So my now ex-wife and I, we went out and we indexed all the businesses uh, on foot. And there was about, I think it was about 70 businesses. And we just popped it online. We took pictures. Remember, this is all before iPhone or anything. So we had to uh, drag around our giant digital camera. Mm. And we put it online and people loved it. And then we expanded to Toronto and then Canada and the States. But again, it was that opportunity of something we were trying to solve for ourselves. Afterwards, I was in domain names. Uh, I was basically a retired bum for like five years. I lived in the States and South America. And a little just under six years ago, I was in uh, Colombia hanging out with some friends. I had lost a lot of weight. And I was talking about how supplement companies are ripping us off. And that's kind of where it hit me again, where like, listen, I have this opportunity where, okay, there's no one that you can trust about supplementation because everyone's trying to sell you something. And at this time, education was getting hot. This is when like Linda was blowing up. Mm -hmm. So why don't we get into the education space? And that's what we did, right? So in March 2011, we started up a company called examine.com. We now get about a couple million visitors a month. Uh, it's been covered by everyone from Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, whatever. Even Fast Company said we're a top 10 innovative company in health and fitness. So um, kind of looping it all back, it's all about there's all this opportunity out there. Everyone thinks you need to be this huge megastar or dominate your niche or industry or whatever. But you just need to find this one little niche that you can really focus on. Uh, just excel at that and you'll make more than enough money to keep yourself happy. Hmm. Awesome. Um you said you retired for five years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me about that, man. So, do, so did you have a big exit or? Uh, no, no. Honestly, uh, so I've never taken any VC money. I've always bootstrapped my companies. My original uh, virtual currency online gaming one and then my local search and now examine.com, they all became seven-figure businesses. Uh, but my MO has always been I'm going to make the people who work for me famous. Uh, and so easy example, examine.com. Most people think that Kamal Patel owns the company. He's the one who runs it. And basically what I do is I find people who are brilliant in that niche. Uh, I put them in charge and I make them famous. And the benefits of that is they know that they will never get as big of an audience as they would on their own than if they work with us. And at the same time, I know that I'm putting someone in charge who really understands it, who really gets it. And so I don't need to be the one who needs to worry about the day-to-day -day operations all the time. And that's kind of how it's all been set up. So when I retired, basically, I had my number two. He took over everything. And I basically became a bum. And, like, you know, I'd still stay in touch. And I'd still have to deal with some banking stuff and accounting stuff here. But by paying him more than I even paid myself, I knew that he was going to be kicking ass. He was going to be taking care of it while I got to, you know, gallivant around in, like, Argentina and whatnot. So that's that's always been my uh, approach. Most entrepreneurs make it more about themselves. They want to become famous on their own. Whereas for 16 years, no one had any clue who I was. Uh, and that's been a big reason for my success. Yeah, I like that. I like I like that because I think it's really important because there's a lot of um, things that, you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and stuff. And I think 
it's really important to to not try and be like because I'm the same dude. Like I I don't yeah. want to be the big man. I I I don't I don't want to be some big superstar. I just care about founder man. I just want to build an asset based business. Um, so no, I can really relate to that. I'm curious though. Do you still run this domains business or search business? No, I don't. Uh, I don't run it myself. Virtual currency and local search, all of that is is basically automated in the context of other people are busy running it. Examine.com, I'm now mostly hands off. Uh, Kamal is mostly in charge. My co-founder is still in charge of the research. I still like. I'm still involved in the context of we do a monthly meeting and whatnot. But in general, they run it. Uh, and kind of looping back to what you were saying, right? I mean, you built the brand founder, and I built the brand Examine. And it's harder to start up a brand that's more generic, that doesn't have your name on it. But I'm sure as you can empathize, as you grow, the name becomes far bigger than you will ever be yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Even uh, Conversion Excel just posted something last week or this week where they had people, they um, surveyed people. And they said, does this website look more professional with the founder's image or without the founder's image? And in general, without the founder's image was more professional. And so I think you'll really understand this. You know, it's a little bit more of a slog because people need to connect with the brand, which is harder than connecting with an individual like you or I. But in the long term, it makes a lot more business sense because then that business is much more than just you. And so you can bring in smarter people to help run it or to run it directly themselves. And kind of in the long term, right, if you want to build up a business, I think that's the right way to do it. Yeah, I agree. So. I'm curious, uh, your virtual, like your other companies still exist today. You don't run them, but yeah. they still exist and you own them. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, to to, to simplify uh, it, basically, if you take any website that's high content, and so we'll use again a recent one, examine.com, right? So we get about 2 million visitors a month. We are basically top five for stuff like fish oil, vitamin D, creatine, and those other ones. And if I was to hypothetically fire everybody today from examine.com and do nothing with it and just sell our guides and whatever, I am very confident that over the next few years, we would still be getting one or two million visitors a month. And so what I've always done with my companies is instead of trying to make them trendy or viral as everyone wants, right? They want to be cool on Facebook. They want to be cool on YouTube. They want to be cool on Instagram. We don't even, I don't even have an Instagram, much as the company doesn't have an Instagram. My focus has always been, okay, how do you generate revenue? You need to have distribution. Okay, how do you build up distribution? And there's usually two platforms that are most reliable. And those two are either Google or other partners who have massive audiences. And so what I've always done, and I always encourage entrepreneurs to do the same thing, is you know what? Facebook is trendy and cool, but it never quits, right? It never stops. You always have to generate new content. You always have to generate something new, or you have to recycle old content. But relative to Google, Facebook doesn't send any traffic out to the world, relative, right? And all Google is in the big scheme of thing, things is you need to get links and you need to build up your authority. And all building authority really is, is you need to get mentions by mainstream media, ideally, or by other large organizations. That's it. And so I've always put my energy into stuff like that, right? I mean, we talk about examine.com. We've been in BBC. We've been in The Guardian. We've been in Mother Jones. Not just us being quoted or also uh, having written for them. Men's health, men's fitness, all of these, right? So over the long term, Google comes across and they keep seeing the name examine.com, examine.com, examine.com. They're like, okay, we can trust this brand. When we actually analyze our top, uh, like we have like 300 supplements. When you an- actually analyze the top 10 uh, results on Google for each supplement, the only two that beat us are Wikipedia and WebMD. 
And WebMD wow. gets like 50 million or whatever, right, uh, a month. So it, it, my approach has always been, okay, how can I make sure that the traffic we get is consistent? Now, is Facebook traffic delicious? Sure. The most traffic, I was just looking it up earlier today, the most uh, visits we've ever gotten in one day was 95,000 and partly was because something went viral on Reddit. Great. But what happened the next day, right, that Reddit traffic died out. Mm. So my my approach with all this has always been, how can I make it uh, long term? So it goes same thing to that local search and virtual currency, right? It wasn't really virtual currency. The actual companies was basically around online gaming content. And then we work with other companies to sell virtual currency, right? But again, online gaming content, it's the same thing, right? You hire some uh, guy who wants to play the video game. You let him play the video game 10, 12 hours a day. You make him famous inside of the video game, which is huge for them, right? And they mm. will run with it. And so I don't need to look over their shoulder and be like, hey, JC, are you playing game? No, of course he's playing the game. He loves the game, right? And if he gets tired and wants to go to another game, we're like, okay, we've got the infrastructure to be able to expand into another game. Um, and so that's always been my approach where most people nowadays are just obsessed with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. Pinterest, by the way, is very underrated for traffic <laughs> or Snapchat or YouTube. Those are those are uh, channels that need you to constantly be creating new content or even repurposing it. But if you can do well with Google, you can just sit back and they will send you traffic for a very, very long time. So you like predictability. Yeah. And, and the other thing is it's also scale, right? So we're at about like, what is it, 60, 65, 70,000 visitors a day, right? And when we look at our uh, Google search console, right, if you look at your search traffic, people will see like impressions and clicks from what the keywords are. And you look at most sites, even on Moz or Backlinko, and you look at the impressions that their keywords get, and you get like 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, right? All of our top 50 are all over 100,000 impressions, right? These are the kind of keywords that take time to build up, but also that's what we were talking about earlier, is that's why you want to build up a brand and not your own name, because that brand is more trustworthy overall. And that's when, you know, exam, uh, exam will be mentioned by BBC or New York Times, whoever else in between, because, hey... It's not just one person, it's this entire organization. Mm. And so that's always been my, my long-term plan. It's okay, how can I make sure that we get this constant spigot of traffic without having to worry about, oh man, what's something cool or funny or something viral that can go tomorrow? It's, it's too exhausting to think that way. Yeah, gotcha. So you're all about evergreen content. 100%, right? And, and I'm a big fan of repurposing content and putting it through an email list and, and, and regenerating as an image and you can throw it on social media and all that jazz for sure. But at the, end of the at the end of the day, if you look at our pages, like our creatine page has over 700 references, it's a huge page and no one can touch it, right? And so instead of trying to build up, again, 100,000 fans on Facebook and maybe getting 2% organic reach, instead we're like, we're going to dominate the keyword creatine and no one else will even come close to us. And that's what we've done. Everyone gives lip service to making unique content, but how many people actually make content that you read and you go, wow, I really need to show this to my friend X who's interested in or Y who's interested in it. Our, our word of mouth is absolutely crazy. It's amazing. And that's, that's what we've always focused on. Amazing, amazing content, not great content, not good content, amazing content that takes like a month to create, but that no one else can touch once we've created it. Yeah, I love this strategy, man. This is this is on point. And then you let the technology do the work and you've got the longevity. 100%, right? Like who's going to come in and be like, oh, I'm going to write another creatine page. Oh, here's another one that's got 700 references. I'm going to beat them. No one. And and so what the other part of it is has happened is we've made sure that we're very complimentary. We don't do any coaching. We don't do any consulting. So personal trainers or registered dietitians, when they 
when they talk about creatine or fish oil or vitamin D, they don't even write about it anymore. They just go, this is what examine.com says, and then they link to us. But they also link to us because they know we're not going to steal their clients. So we've been very specific. You know, I was talking about niches earlier. We've been very specific about we are only in the education niche. We are not in the coaching niche. We could make literally my friends at Precision Nutrition, right? Those guys are almost 50 million a year off coaching. We could be making eight figures off coaching if we wanted to. But in terms of, again, our longevity structure about making sure that we don't have to keep churning out content, uh, it just made more sense for us to be a partner more than someone else who could take their uh, customers or clients. Gotcha. So I'm curious, um, you've been working on examine.com since 2011, correct? Yeah. Uh, so it's about five years. Um, yeah. How many articles do you have on the site? How, how, how many, yeah, yeah. How many pages, how many blog posts, how much content do you produce per day? Oh, per day, like zero. I think, uh, in total we have maybe like 300 supplements, a uh, hundred nutrition pages and maybe like a hundred blog posts, maybe hundred even sounds high. That's it. I would say we've got maybe five, 600 total pages of unique content. That's it. Wow. The, the other thing, yeah, that's in over five and a half years, that's basically nothing. Right. Um, but what we do is we update our content right? Instead of always picking up a new page, as most people do, we update our content. So our creating page, right? I mentioned, I use that as an easy example, right? It's over 700 references. When we first created it, it was at maybe 30 references, then 50, then 100, blah, 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 keep going, keep going. And so every time we updated it, you know, new links would come in, but it would all come in again to the same page. And so the power of that page grew and grew and grew and grew. Instead of trying to answer 50,000, target 50,000 different keywords and long tails everyone and their mother does anymore, we're like, we're going to target fish oil. We're going to target vitamin D. And just because of how many links we get and how massive our site has become, the amount of traffic that gets generated on permutations of those key phrases is almost uh, limitless now. Yeah, wow. So you are very, very strong from the sounds of it on SEO. Uh, I mean, yeah, SEO, but we actually get a lot of referral traffic because, again, our approach has been um, make that – Yeah, authority, right? That's literally the, the key word that we are obsessed with is how do we make sure we have the authority at what we do, right? So you can look at it today and you go, oh, man, these guys are huge in supplements and nutrition and all this stuff. But when we started, we were just bodybuilding supplements. Then we got into fitness supplements. Then we got into health supplements. Then we got into general supplements. Then we got into nutrition. Then we got into selling nutrition research. Um, you know, that took us three and a half years. So it's easy to see it in hindsight and be like, oh, yeah, these guys grew up. Of course they did. Look how much energy they put into it. But going back to what I said originally, man, we focused on our niche. We dominated creatine and whey protein and beta alanine. Then we expanded to like fish oil, vitamin D. Then we expanded to like Garcinia, Cambogia, which is a garbage fat burner that Dr. Oz recommends. Then we got into, you know, is diet sort of bad for you or eggs unhealthy for you? And then we got into, all right, we're going to analyze nutrition research. We just were the authority at every single stage, and there was no doubt about it. When we uh, launched our Research Digest, which is our nutrition research analysis, we had a lifetime option for 1000 bucks, and over 100 people bought it within the first couple of hours without ever looking at the product itself because authority and trust was so high that they were like, well, we're going to buy it. Worst case, we'll ask for a refund. And I think one person asked for a refund, if even, mm. just because we built up that authority so much. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. So I'm curious, 
I read um, an article about examining yourself a while ago. This is before we um, connected. And it was really interesting. It was around your business model. And I, I think people would find this interesting because you, and please correct me if I'm wrong, from, from yep. the article, you didn't have a, like you might, you, you definitely had a clear view of what the business model would look like, but you didn't know how you would make money 100%. You built an audience first and you did yep. a series of tests, correct? Yep, 100%. So my viewpoint always, I'm not I'm not big on like the impressions or ad-based stuff. I, I think that's a little bit chasing your own tail. Mm. But going back to what I originally said, if you can build up an audience around one very specific topic, and then you can figure out what their problem is and what they want from you, you can sell that solution to them. So my original frustration and was that a lot of other people also had was, who can I go to and read their information on supplementation and know they're not trying to sell us anything? So off the bat, we could never sell supplements, right? I've had a lot of friends, even VCs who come to us and said, listen, you should analyze supplements or you should just link to Amazon's page or whatever. But if we do that, we lose our credibility, right? So our focus was always, we are going to dominate this niche. And so we dominated supplementation. And so when we asked our users, we said, hey, listen, what do you need help with? Or what do you wish we had solved that we haven't solved yet? The number one thing we heard was, listen, I wish there was just one little like document or page that I, I could look at and be like, okay, this is what all the research for vitamin D says. And we're like, all right, we can do that. So when we launched it, this supplement goals reference, it was like 900 pages long. And all it was was tables and tables of information. So for example, it would say vitamin D. And it said it has a very high, there's a lot of research that says it decreases the, the risk of falls, which actually sounds crazy, but it's actually true, right? There's a lot of evidence for it. And oh, vitamin D, there's no evidence, for example, that vitamin D is great for your libido, for example, right? It was just this kind of stuff. Mm. And I think in the first day alone, we sold a thousand. I mean, since we launched it in 2013, we've sold over 50,000 copies uh, of this and it's all been 100% virtual. So always it's been about uh, build up the audience, a very targeted audience, figure out what their problem is, sell them the solution, and then just iterate over and over and over again. That's it. Gotcha. And how many, how many products do you have now? So we only have three products. We just have this one table thing that I mentioned, the reference. We have stat guys. So what happened after we released this, the reference is people came to us and they said, listen, this is great, but I don't know what to do. How much vitamin D should I take? When should I take it, right? What should I take it with? What should I not take it with? Because you can have, you know, you can have supplements that cancel each other out, right? Something that's uh, fat phobic, which means that, like it doesn't like uh, fat. And if you take it with something that is fatty, then, you know, boom, they're canceling each other out. So we're like, all right. So we made these guides, which basically were like step-by-step -step directions on saying, uh, take this, uh, don't take that. And so we started selling that about two and a half years ago, I'm going to say. I think it was like summer of 2014. And then just over two years ago, uh, the next thing that people kept saying to us was professionals came to us and they said, hey, listen, you know, we see all these studies in the media or my friend said he read this study that says fish oil causes prostate cancer or, hey, protein is bad for you. You know, can you guys make sense of this research? And we said, all right, we can solve this problem. So every month we analyze six nutrition studies and we break it down and it's this beautiful thing. And we, we spend a lot of money at it. Like you look at a lot of these online products that people sell, they're produced very unprofessionally or they have no copywriter or they're thrown together. We have two copywriters alone that just go through everything we write just to make sure everything is clean beyond the editors and reviewers and all that stuff, right? We have like 25, 30 people that 
contribute to each issue of this research digest I mentioned. And that's why we can charge 30 bucks a month and we have like 2,500 customers for a purely for just a PDF mm -hmm. because our authority is so good, because we put so much effort into it, because our product is so high quality. So yeah, we haven't released a new product in two years. Instead, we just keep focusing on what we have, keep focusing on making sure our audience grows and grows and grows. Um, Google Analytics has a thing where it shows how many uh, returning visitors you're getting. And we're at over a half a million visitors returning every month from previous um, sessions, which is actually really, really high for most um, sites. So that's kind of our goal, right? It's just like we have products, we solve the 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 needs of our customers. We're always asking them, what else can we help you with? But we've solved the primary needs of our customers. And now we're just like, all right, we have to make sure that they understand we're solving it. That's the bigger problem. Right. A lot of entrepreneurs, they don't understand how to message their product because you're so and, and you'll understand this. Right. And, mm. and you, I know you've talked about this before. You're so deep into your own product, your own life, your own business. You don't realize that if some stranger comes by, he or she is like, I don't understand what you're selling. Right. I understand what you're offering. Even um, HubSpot just redid their homepage in the last week. Right. And their <laughs> page before you were like, I have no idea what you guys are offering. Mm. Right. And then, That's so and then true. Joel, I, yeah, I, I, right? I struggled to work it out when I first heard of them. <laughs> exactly right and then joel and team and they came in and, and then they fixed it up and now you go and you're like okay i understand what you guys are doing so I, I think a lot of that is just we are constantly focusing on how can we make our message more clear how can we make the message of what we're doing more precise right so we have a new design for example that we're rolling out same thing how can we make it easy for someone to get into what we're saying like our bounce rate is relatively ridiculous, uh, ridiculously low. Our uh, time spent on site is incredibly high because people love reading all of our content. We have we have like literally tens and thousands of users that are at over 25 page views per session, which is incredibly high, right? But again, at the end of the day, it's all about how can we make sure our message is concise and clear to the end user. That's kind of what we what we obsess over now. Gotcha. Um, I'm curious around. You said you had a recurring product. Um, yeah. I, I'm surprised. Like, I wouldn't think that people would pay for that. So what happens, so the recurring product is a research digest I mentioned, where we analyze mm. six recent uh, nutrition studies every month. Yeah. And most of our subscribers are either registered dietitians or personal trainers. Gotcha. And it's incredibly useful to them because as a professional, right, your clients will hear some random story on TV or read about it on some crazy website and they'll come running to you and they'll say, hey, what about this? Right. So uh, just yesterday uh, there was a study that was released and the headline says kids who drank whole milk are skinnier than kids who drank skim milk. Right. And if you're a registered dietitian or plus a trainer, you are guaranteed to have one client come running to you and say, does this mean I should drink whole milk? And so it's our, and the personal trainer or registered dietitian, he or she isn't equipped to read scientific research, right? You can kind of read it and kind of figure it out, but that's what we do. We go, all right, we're going to take this heavy research, we're going to analyze it, we're going to make sense of it, and then we're going to explain to you what it was actually trying to say. Gotcha. And and this this content is behind a, some sort of paywall? Yeah, so the content is actually just a PDF or an audio or an EPUB, that's it. So we have like 25, 26, 2700 people paying us 30 bucks a month or well, sometimes there's a sale price, right? Um, that are yeah paying for access to this information. Uh, the other thing we've done to make it uh, sweeter, let's say, is if you are a professional in the health industry, you need something called CEUs, Continuing Education Units. Yes. And for example, if you're a registered dietitian in the States, you need 75 hours of credits every five years. And so our research digest is approved 
with almost every training organization and registered dietitian organization to uh, go towards their professional development. So there's an extra reason or impetus for them to stay with it because not only are they being educated, they also know it's a source of credits that they can then redeem as a health professional themselves. Mm, that's really, really smart. That's impressive, dude. Um, Thank you. So tell me about the sales process when you're selling one of the three, any of the three products, because um, people would find that interesting. Right. So the number one thing always is you want to segment your audience, right? I mean, I'm going to figure out your audience already knows how important email lists are and sequences and, and all that kind of stuff. So the number one important thing that I find that people miss is segmentation. And one of the best places to segment is after someone opts in. It blows my mind how many people waste their welcome page or their, sorry, their thank you page and their welcome email. How many people blow it? The moment someone opts into your email list, that is when they're most primed to learn more about what you're going to do. So at that time, you either sell them something, you hook them into something deeper. I know someone who does really well with a, a webinar opt-in after someone opts-in. Or you ask them to segment themselves. You go, hey, listen, what kind of – in our case, we go, hey, are you just interested in health? Are you really serious about health? Or are you a professional? So if you and I were having a conversation. You might be just someone who's interested in health, and I might be someone who's serious in health. And let's say you know we have a registered dietitian friend, and he'd be like, I am a health professional. So that segmentation is the key, I feel – to everything we do. And the same thing, when we send out our welcome email after you opt in, we go, hey, we explain why we're awesome again. You know, we've been this big and we do this and this and this. By the way, what, you know, what is your interest in health so we can make sure that the subsequent emails and information we send you are pertinent to your interests. And so the moment they segment themselves, we know, oh, this person is a professional, we should sell him the Research Digest. And if someone else and she comes along and she says, you know what, I'm just generally interested in health, we're like, we're never going to sell her the Research Digest because she's going to think, why the hell would I spend $30 a month for this nutrition research? So I think that's the biggest thing uh, in terms of the sales process is just if you can segment them, then all it, all really the sales process is then is how do you make so something sound like they need it, right? That's what you're, what you're doing, right? You're solving their problem. And so that's just like it's one of those it's almost like an art, but really like let's say we're trying to sell our research digest, right? Our subscription. We talk about, you know, the media, how it, it abuses information. We talk about how clients come to us and they're scared to learn or they want to know more and they're scared. We can talk about how supplement companies misrepresent research. And then we're like, we are your solution, right? And we talk about how hard it is to read research. We actually have published a study guide. And a lot of people after reading that study guide, they buy our product because they go like, they literally think, holy shit, I don't have the brain power or I don't have the time to do all this research, right? Who's got the time to do all of it? So that's really all the sales process is, is segment them into what their interests are relative to what you're selling, offer them the solution to that problem that they have as that specific segment, and then voila, sell your product to them. The other thing uh, I would add is people are too afraid to sell. But I find that ridiculous because, listen, if you're working hard and your stuff is amazing, you should be happy to sell. You should feel confident in selling your stuff. So we are not shy about selling it. You know, we'll mention it in a few emails originally how it's a solution. Then we'll hit them over the head and saying this is the this is the actual solution. Then we may throw them into a webinar or we may do a, like a, you know, uh, we do a student discount. We offer 50% off to students, too. So we do eventually like try other things, let's say, to sell them. But I think the biggest key to all of this is segment them so you can sell them something. And you know what they want and what their problem is. 
Yeah, like if you've segmented someone as a professional, you know that their problem is relative professional, right? You know that the stack guys, which are step-by-step like instructions for beginners, won't really apply to them. Will we mention it? Sure. Will we push it hard on them? Not really, right? Our our lifetime value of someone who signs up for the Research Digest, uh, I think is like six seven hundred dollars, right? So it's a lot more profitable for us to say, hey, listen, this is the the thing that you need to solve your problem. Um, at the same time. We love sending people to our site because when they see the content on our site, when they see how deeply we've investigated and how like serious we are and how, let's say, unbiased we are, uh, they're much more likely to buy. Like our website is basically a brochure and a brochure with an insane amount of information. I think we're like two million words written now, maybe two and a half by now. So it is our best way of selling something is being like, look at our research. This is why you can trust us. Gotcha. And I'm really curious now, um, what does your team look like? Uh, in terms of where they are, how I hired, or like, or everything? <laughs> yeah. I know we're going to work <laughs> towards wrapping up, so maybe if you could just share. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, who, who's in your team? What are their roles? Just kind of operation side out of curiosity sure. of how, how you're running this, because it sounds like a pretty well-run machine, essentially. Uh, so my viewpoint on on teams and employees is as long as everyone does their job, that's awesome. Uh, so for example, Kamal, who runs examine.com, he had been running it for two years before I actually met him. Uh, I met him in San Francisco just earlier this year. And uh, even more funny was we actually spoke twice at the same conference. Once he left before I arrived and once I left before he arrived. So we had never actually met until just six months ago. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't even care if my employees outsource their work to someone else as long as the work is good. Um, so in terms of operations, basically, it's worked out really well. My co-founder, uh, he is this huge nerd who just loves research. Like As long as we leave him alone from everything else but research, he is incredibly happy. So we've got him, and we basically just keep him for research purposes. We have Kamal, who runs it, who uh, has extensive education in, in both the business and um uh, research side of it. So he's kind of why he's in charge. And then we have a director of operations who's kind of, she's in charge of making sure everything runs smoothly. And then we have a guy in charge of tech. That's kind of how our overall structure is. And then of course we've got resources and all that, that interact with different people. But I would say those four people are the core team. We have our head of research, my co-founder, we have Kamal who heads the company, who, who runs it. We have director of operations, who makes sure uh, everything runs smoothly. And then we have our, you know, uh, director of technology who makes sure the web development and all the bugs and all those headaches are all taken care of. Everything we've done, everything we do is custom developed. It's not built on WordPress. It's not built on Shopify or anything like that. Uh, it's all been custom coded from day one. Interesting. And you have a, a big content team or mainly contractors? Uh, so we essentially have a lot of contractors and the reason so is research is very, very specialty focused, right? So we may have someone who's a specialist in cardiovascular disease. It doesn't make sense to have him or her on the team the entire time, right? For example, we have a, a, a doctor in pharmacy who specializes in psychiatric medicine. And every time we're worried about a drug drug interaction in the brain, we need to use him. So would it make sense for ha having him work 40 hours a week for us? Not at all. But do we need him for maybe 30 hours one week and then two hours the next week? Absolutely. So we have a team of like 30, 40, 50 contractors we can turn to anytime we want. 
but we do have like a core team of like, I think five researchers from different disciplines. This is very important, right? Like if you want to have amazing content, you can't have one voice to it. You need to have multiple people contributing to it so that the overall piece is incredibly well-rounded. So yeah, I'd say we have about like five, six researchers who are general purpose mm. uh, and then like 30 to 50 contractors that we, we use on demand. Gotcha. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, um, dude, I am loving this conversation. We could talk all it's day. My pleasure. Um, no kidding. You're, you're a very, very savvy guy. You've shared a lot of gold with our audience. I was going to say, last question, you've been doing this online stuff for a very long time. You've been an entrepreneur founder for yep. a long time. Three you know, action items and then finish off where the best place is people can find you. All right. Three action items to get going. Number one, just build it. When I started examine.com, we didn't even have a logo. So just get started. Uh, number two, focus on one niche. Focus like the more you're focused, the better you'll do because your audience will be very, very specific to what they're looking for. And three, talk to your customers. And I don't mean in the cliche sense of do a survey or email them. Pick up the phone and have a conversation with them. Your customers, when they're actually on the phone, the amount of information they'll give you is literally 10x what you'll get off uh, off of any email or any survey. So those are the, the top three things I always tell any entrepreneurs. And really, at the end of the day, if you sum it up, it's really just kind of a, a just do it uh, situation. Uh, it's super easy to start. There's no reason to overthink it. Just make it happen. Uh, in terms of contacting me, I talk about entrepreneurship over at sjo.com. Or uh, I'm a bit active on Facebook. Just search for me, Saul Orwell. I am not on Instagram, and I'm occasionally on Twitter, but I think Facebook is the best place to uh, to say hi. I'm I'm actually quite ridiculously active on it. I'm ashamed to admit, but such is life. We must admit to it now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, look, man, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, dude. It was an absolute pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure, my man. Thank you. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview as you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.